Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 8, the book of Joshua chapter 8. Now, if you remember our study from last week and we look at the, the sin of Achan and, uh, you know, in, in, in tandem with that or as a result of the sin of Achan, which was his choice, we see the defeat of Israel on the battlefield. We see the casualties of Israel on the battlefield as a result of one man's choice. And we see the impact of just one to the camp of Israel, but then we liken it to the church as well. What about the impact of just one person in the body of Christ? Say you have a church body of a thousand people, 500 people, a hundred people, 50 people, 20 people. You have a church body of just five people. What about the impact of just one? When they trespass before the Lord, when they sin before the Lord. Now, of course, we know that the in accordance to the word of God, both Old Testament and New Testament, there are the means by which a person can be right before the Lord. But when those are not exercised, it gets worse. Things get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember the sidesteps? Sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, and then all of a sudden comes the fall. The impact of just one person in Israel. What about the impact of just one person in the body of Christ? What about the impact of just one person in a household? You see? The Lord has a very specific formula. And then at the same time, when you consider the ratio in Israel, hundreds of thousands of people in Israel and the choice of just one man, the impact to the assembly of Israel. What about the church ratio? I mean, you have the impact of one to hundreds of thousands. What about the church? So you have a church of 50 people, 100 people. What about the impact of just one? Look at these ratios. And in all cases, both Old Testament and New Testament, sin needs to be addressed. Old Testament, I mean, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, we have, you know, how sin needs to be addressed. In Old Testament, you know, there's a means by which in both Testaments, a person can be right before the Lord. But then in the Old Testament, in accordance with the Old Covenant, there's stoning that's in play. Old Covenant, Old Covenant, Old Testament. Now, the law isn't over. Remember, the law is still holy. The law is still in effect. But there's only one who is biblically qualified to stone. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's biblically qualified. Remember, he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all drop their stones. There's only one who's biblically qualified to stone. And you know what? He doesn't stone. There's door of grace. The door of mercy is open. But don't forget. This door of mercy and grace, it's not going to be open forever. There's going to be the end of the church age, which is happens in the last days, which just so happens to correlate with prophesied events that are happening in this day and age. And judgment will come. The time of judgment and stoning and God's wrath. And when I say stoning, I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, when he comes, he came the first time as a lamb. He comes the second time as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And this judgment that he brings, it is coming. 
but yet this door of mercy and grace, it's open today. Achan was stoned, but don't forget his missed opportunities to be right before the Lord. Now, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our study in chapter 7. You'll understand more. And so now we get into Joshua chapter 8, and we see here in verse 1, you know, chapter 7 is done. I mean, it's still there, but I mean, like, you know, our study in chapter 7, that's done. So we see how Israel took casualties, suffered casualties, and they lost on the battlefield. And now we get into chapter 8, and we see victory. There's a specific formula to victory. And so we get into verse 1, Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Now, do you remember remember chapter 7? Joshua was previously dismayed in chapter 7 when he was going before the Lord. You know, why Lord? Why is this happening? Why did we take casualties? Why is it that you said that, you know, we would be victorious and, you know, now we're not victorious. We took casualties. And then, you know, why, Lord? Why, Lord? And the Lord answers back, why, Joshua? The Lord just straight up answers him back, why, Joshua? He asks him, why do you lie on your face, Joshua, when there is sin in the camp? And you see, and, you know, the Lord revealed that, you know, there's sin and they gave him very specific instructions on, you know, how these, uh, the the trespass, the guilty party can be exposed. And now that that's addressed and been taken care of, now it's like, okay, let's handle business. Let's get back to the drawing board. You see, sometimes, you know, we have this idea in our head that, you know, victory is just like a gimme. And victory is a gimme. When the formula is right, when the formula is wrong, do not expect victory. Formula must be right. And so now the Lord says to Joshua in verse 1, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Did the, did the Lord change his mind? And remember in chapter one, when the Lord is telling him, you know, I'm, you know, I'm with you. Do not be afraid. You know, do not be afraid because I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. And, you know, you're going to have victories. And then you get into chapter 7. You're like, whoa, what happened? I thought we were supposed to have victories. But, you know, you understand. Did the Lord change his mind? No. The people changed their heart. The people, as an aggregate, changed their heart. Why? Because of one man, Achan. And that's taken care of now. And so now we get into verse 1, and the Lord is giving this, giving Joshua these instructions. He says, take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You see, it's the Lord's doing. I'm giving this to you, Joshua. I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You say, wait a second, you know, are are, are we doing this again? Because, Lord, in chapter 1, you said that you've given these things. But in chapter 7, you see defeat. But then at the same time, we understand that the formula wasn't right in chapter 7 because of Achan. His choice. And now the formula is right. And then all of a sudden we see victory. I'm giving this into your hand. The king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You see? 
very specific formula. And so we get into verse 2, And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. You see? Victory should never be an assumed thing. Never, ever, ever should victory be an assumed thing. And people do it. I'm fully aware that people do it. Oh, you know, victory in Christ and victory in Christ and victory in Christ. And I know people do it, but victory should never be an assumed thing. There is a very specific reason for victory. There is a very specific reason for defeat. You see? Understand that victory should never be an assumed thing. Because when you understand formula, I mean, in the Old Testament, you're going to see the ups and downs of Israel. And when you see the ups of Israel, it's beautiful. You're going to see victory after victory after victory. But then at the same time, you're going to see defeat after defeat after defeat. But then we're going to understand why there's defeat is because there's something wrong with the formula in the camp. In chapter 7, Joshua, it's just by one person. Sometimes it's going to be multiple people. In the camp, among the people, among the priesthood, you're going to see something's out of whack. Disalignment with the Lord. And that's the Old Testament. And then, you know, we get into the New Testament and you see the exact same thing. Look at the state of Corinth. When they were in their carnal state as babies, remember? Uh, you know, when, when Paul says three years deep, I wish I can give you the deep spiritual things, but I can't because you're still babies. You are still carnal. First Corinthians 3, remember our study? If you've been walking with us for a while, you remember. But if you're a new listener, welcome. I love you. But at the same time, if you're a new listener, Purpose in your heart to listen to those prior studies because you'll understand more about growing and maturing in Christ. It's very important. I mean, picture the saints in Corinth. Oh, we have victory in Christ. We have victory in Christ. And Paul says to them, inspired of the Spirit, he says, you guys, your rejoicing isn't a good thing. Isn't that, I mean, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, wow, that's weird. Paul is telling Christians that they're, them rejoicing isn't good. I thought rejoicing in the Lord is good. Yes, rejoicing in the Lord is good. But remember, formula. If you've been walking with us for a while, you understand. And when the formula was wrong in Corinth, Paul says, Look, listen, you guys, you're, you're, you're rejoicing. It's not a good thing. You gather together, say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You speak Christianese, you worship, all these things. And you know what? You think that's a good thing. And assumedly, with carnal eyes, it seems to be a good thing. But why is it a bad thing? Because of formula. Because of sin in the camp. The sex, the extortion, the alcoholism, and all kinds of works of the flesh. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 3, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. You'll understand more. And the remedy... Paul says, okay, the remnant, he says, okay, you, you separate from these people. Separate from the flesh because that's leaven in the camp. You separate. 
And then once there's a separation, it's like, okay, let's clean house. Let's get things, let's get you guys cleaned up. And, you know, it happens. And then, you know, you get into the, the, the latter chapters of first Corinthians, you get into second Corinthians and you see now you enters into the, the deeper, uh, the deeper, uh, teachings, the deeper understandings of spiritual things. But Paul couldn't give it to them when they were babies. You see, it's, I mean, you have a brand new baby. You're not going to feed a baby pork chops. You're not going to feed a baby, you know, ribeye steak. You're not going to do that. You can try, you can attempt, but you're bringing harm to the baby. Why? Because the baby needs milk. Milk is beautiful for babies. And as the baby grows, all of a sudden you get the spiritual Cheerios. All of a sudden you get the spiritual little pieces of bread. You get the spiritual little pieces of chicken. And then all of a sudden, you know, the baby can eat like, you know, a nice uh, 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 tri-tip nice piece of steak because they've matured they have the teeth they get the incisors to 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 cut into the meat they got the molars to bite it to chew it down and and break it up and they can handle it but they can't do that when they're babies they got no teeth when they're babies you see We study the Old Testament and in so doing, we get a deeper understanding of the nature and character of the Lord. And remember, he never changes. There's old covenant, there's new covenant. And within those, within the framework of the covenants, we understand rules of engagement, rules of conduct. I mean, you know, you see in accordance to the old covenant, rules of conduct, rules of engagement for warfare, for conduct in the camp of Israel. Achan is stoned, but you don't see stoning in the New Testament in the camp of the church. But you do see a separation of the the, the remnant from the leaven. You see, we understand the covenants, the framework within the covenants. And so we see here, I'm not saying that the, that the law is over. The law is still in effect. The law is holy. But remember, we said just like the low beams and high beams, the greater glory is abiding in Christ. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in 1 Timothy chapter 1, that the law is, the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless, the insubordinate. And then you, you go down the list and anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. You see? And so we get into this covenant of the old. The law. And in accordance to the law, within this framework, the Lord still operates the exact same way. There's blessings and there's cursings. But understand, you know, there's a reason behind the blessings. You remember our study from Deuteronomy 28? The Lord just does exactly what he says he's going to do. Old Testament, New Testament, the Lord just does exactly what he says he's going to do. I mean, when, when you get into the book of Revelation and you correlate that with our study in Deuteronomy 28, you start to realize, oh my goodness, the Lord is just doing exactly what he said he would do. You see? And then, so we get into here to verse 2. And you shall do to I.E. and its kings as you did to Jericho and as you did to Jericho and its kings. And, and its king. 
So there was victory in Jericho, and now the Lord is saying there's going to be victory in Ai. Before, there was no victory in chapter 7, but we know exactly why there was no victory, because the formula wasn't right. There was sin in the camp. It was Achan by his choice. He says in verse 2, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves, or like plunder. You shall take, you know, very specific instructions for battle, what the Lord is saying to Joshua here. Very specific instructions for the battlefield. Now, if you happen to be a veteran and you're listening, you're very familiar with, you know, very specific orders in the theater of war and the rules of engagement. And depending on authority levels, you might be the one who has written orders in the theater of combat. But there's very specific instructions in accordance to the theater of war. And the Lord is giving these blueprints for combat unto Joshua. It's spoil, it's cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves or as plunder. Lay in ambush for the city behind it. Now, I love this so much because the Lord is giving very specific blueprints and instructions for the battlefield. But at the same time, he's finite with these instructions. He's giving tactical instructions too. About laying in ambush, lying in wait is how it translates, but setting up an ambush for the city behind it. You see, now, if if you're a veteran and you're listening and you have experience in the theater of war, God, the Lord, he has the ultimate intel. The ultimate intel. I mean, there are people who specialize in intelligence and they're multi-leveled, multi-tiered, and in some cases, very multi-tiered. But even they get caught off guard. With the Lord, that doesn't happen. He has the ultimate intel. And he's the one... Telling these things to Joshua, the battle strategy, the battle plan. You see? And so we see here in verse 3, so Joshua arose. Remember, you know, he said, the, the Lord says to Joshua in chapter 1, do not be afraid. And then consider the heart of Joshua in chapter 7. The heart of Joshua, like, oh my goodness, Lord, what's happening? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? What, what's going on? You, you said that we would be victorious. Now we're not victorious. And now all of a sudden, now that Achan's been taken care of, just like we see in verse 1, the Lord is saying to Joshua, do not be afraid. And I love that so much because, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it's, you know, how the Lord says it again to Joshua. Chapter 1, do not be afraid. Chapter 8, do not be afraid. I love that so much. You know why? Because we need that. You and me, we need that. For the Lord, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We need, I love, I love the repetition in the Bible. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, the good, the bad, the ugly. Sometimes when I talk to new believers or young believers or even non-believers, you know, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly of the Bible. They're like kind of t- taken aback. Like I thought the Bible was all lovely. I thought the Bible was all rosy and peachy and beautiful. But then when you actually read the Bible, you see 
That's not always the case. There is ugliness in the Bible. There is bad things. There is uh, bad things, ugliness in the Bible. Choices that people make. But then you see how the Lord responds. You see? And before judgment, before wrath, always, 100% of the time, always before wrath, before judgment, there's a moment of mercy and grace. Opportunities for people to get right with the Lord. But when they refuse to get right with the Lord, then you see judgment and wrath. Always, 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 100% of the time before judgment and wrath, there's always the opportunity to get right with the Lord. Always. Old Testament, New Testament. Always. You say, wow, I see it all the time in the Old Testament, but I don't see it in the New Testament. Well, book of Revelation. Judgment is coming. And so all of a sudden you see how the Lord you know, tells Joshua in chapter 1, don't be afraid. Chapter 8, don't be afraid. I love that. So many times, you know, we need these things from the Lord. We need these things. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, all these reiterations, this repetition in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. And then, you know, that's the good stuff. But then there's the bad too, you know, like the repetition of, okay, if you do this, then this is how I'm going to respond. And you read that and you're like, okay, Lord, I don't want to mess with you. You see? And that's the beauty of fearing the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning, 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 beginning of wisdom. And sometimes, you know, you you, you learn that through others. And sometimes you learn that yourself. And when you learn it yourself, there's pain associated with that. But in, at the same time, there's there's hurt associated with that. But at the same time, understand what the Lord is doing. When you're trained through discipline and trained through chastisement, just like we, we read in, in the book of Hebrews, to those who have been trained, you know, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but is joyful in the long run to those who have been trained by it, because it's how we learn and understand righteousness. I mean, what child isn't chastised by his or her parents? How much more with our Father in heaven? As we learn, as we grow, as we move, move on to perfection. You see? And so the Lord is saying to Joshua, you know, giving him these very specific instructions. And so we see here in verse 3, so Joshua arose, in verse 3, and all the people of war. You see, so Joshua arose, all the people rise up. and says to go up against Ai. So it's time to handle business. War footing in the camp of Israel. It's time to handle business. So we see in verse 3, And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor. Mighty men of valor. And sent them away by night. So you have this group of men, of the mighty uh, mighty men of valor. You have this group of guys, night movement. They're going dark. Night time's the right time. I love this so much. We're going dark. night operations in verse 4 and he commanded them saying behold 
You shall lie in ambush against the city or lie in wait against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you. Remember, people of war, mighty men of valor. And Joshua is saying to them, but all of you be ready. Beautiful. I love this so much. You have this night movement, nighttime ops. Go and lie in wait for this ambush. Go and lie in wait. And all of you, don't go too far from the city, but all of you be ready. A state of readiness. We get into verse 5. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. So you see, this is so beautiful because you see Joshua, he's a leader. He's not in the rear with the gear. He's in the mix. Then I and all the people in verse 5 who are with me will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us as at the first or like before. That we shall flee before them. Now you read this like, wait a second, I thought I thought we're victorious now. And all of a sudden Joshua is saying we shall flee before them. But remember, now in chapter 8, the formula is right. We're in not just a war footing here, we're in a tactical footing here. We have a, a tactical footing, these very specific blueprints that are given to Joshua by the Lord in verse 6. For they will come out after us. Think of the boldness of Ai, where Previously, they were victorious against Israel. But that was then. This is now. That was then. This is now. Now there's strategic movements involved. And now we get into verse 6. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say... They are fleeing before us as at the first. You see, Israel is, they're running away. Just like they did before, they're running away. And so Joshua, in giving these instructions, he says, still in verse 6, he says, Therefore, we will flee before them. You see, Joshua knows, Israel knows it's not like before. In the previous campaign, in chapter 7, we took casualties. But casualties were taken for a reason. Because of Achan, one man. There was an abomination in the camp. Something defiled in the camp. And in that state, there was no victory. This second generation, remember, this is second generation Israel. This is a first generation. First generation, they died in the wilderness. Second generation has passed into the promised land. But then at the same time, understand that they're also learning. And so now we get into verse 7. And Joshua is still giving these very specific instructions. And to this rear element that they're going to move at night, you know, we're going dark and they're going to move at night and they're going to wait, wait in ambush to this rear element, the black ops guys, the night crawlers <laughs> in verse seven, then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city for the Lord, your God, for the Lord. It's not because you guys are awesome. It's not because you guys are tough guys. 
It's the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. You see, many people think that confidence is a bad thing because it leads to pride and arrogance, which I understand, and that can be the case. But what about when confidence is properly placed? And I speak of confidence in the Lord God Almighty. Confidence in Him. And when the formula is right, it's on. It's straight up on. When the formula is right. You see? And here, just like we are, I mean, in, in the Old Testament, but not just here in the Old Testament, and all over the Old Testament, when you see war and combat and, and fighting, you see victories, but you understand why there is victory when the Lord gives a land to Israel, when the Lord gives, you know, you're, you will be victorious, when the Lord says that to a people, but then when you start to see Israel lose battles and lose campaigns, that happens for a reason. That happens for a reason. Just like we see the casualties in chapter 7, that happened for a reason. Achan, sin, trespass, an abomination in the camp. But once that's taken care of, it's not to have confidence. Oh, look, we're awesome. Oh, look, we're mighty men of valor and look how awesome we are. No, there's a specific formula for men of valor. Very specific formula. You see? For men of war. And so all of a sudden, when we understand this and understand that the formula is right, the recipe is right in these warriors, it's not to have confidence in the flesh, but to have confidence in the Lord, God Almighty. To have confidence in Him. Now, when we say these things, understand that we read these and we study the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and we see these examples of war, not just examples of war, but historical account of, of war. And this is according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh. But for you and me today, in the age of the New Covenant, it's according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. Do you remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in Acts 16 where Paul was annoyed at the demon-possessed lady who followed them. And so, you know, he just turns around and says, come out of her. And the, the demon spirit did come out of her. Victory, according to the spirit. But in the same passage, you see, according to the flesh, Paul didn't engage because, you know, they seized him when that happened. And he didn't engage according to the flesh, but he did engage according to the spirit. You see, rules of engagement requires discipline, where we get the word disciple from, or vice versa, disciple, where we get the word discipline from. It's not a free-for-all. It's not like, well, I'm going to fight according to the Spirit and, you know, cast the demon out and do all these things. And when they seize you, it's like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna beat you up. I'm going to put on my brass knuckles and, you know, let's go toe-to-toe. No, that, that's fighting, attempting to fight spirit and flesh. 
which cannot be done. Because we study these passages in the Old Testament and understand observe Israel according to the flesh. Very specific rules of engagement of the two covenants. You don't see Paul fighting according to the flesh. In the same passage, in Acts 16, when he says he fights according to the spirit, in, in the spiritual fight, you see him fight. You see him victorious. In the in the carnal fight, when you see it, it's like, well, he's. it looks like he's losing. But is he losing? You see? It's a different ballgame. Fighting according to the flesh is the flesh. Fighting according to the spirit is the spirit. Remember the, the demon with the sons of Siva where the demon says, you know, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who in the world are you guys? You see? In the spirit realm, the things demonic and satanic, they know. They know, you know, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who in the world are you? He says to the sons of Siva. They know. It's very important for all of us to understand formula. The very specific recipe for holiness and righteousness. And so Joshua is still giving these instructions. And in verse 8, he says, And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. You say, wait a second, verse 8. You say, according to the commandment of the Lord, but then he says, I have commanded you. So you see that like the two, the commandment of the Lord or is it the commandment of Joshua? Well, let me ask you another question. Who's Joshua with? Who's Joshua with? And then another question, who's with Joshua? You see, leadership matters. Intimacy with the Lord, it matters. And so now we see it's go time. Execute. In verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them out. So this is the first element. They're night ops. The night crawlers. <laughs> in verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them out. And they went out to lie in ambush or to lie in wait and stayed between Bethel and Ai. In the Hebrew, translates as they stayed between the house of God and ruin. On the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. That's the second element here. The second element. So you have these two elements of, of, of the theater of war in this particular campaign. Of Ai. In verse 10. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up. He and the elders of Israel, beautiful leadership over Israel, beautiful, beautiful leadership over Israel. He says, you know, before the people to Ai. So now it's the second element, execute. Verse 11, and all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai. So remember, verse 3, the 
the night movers, the night operations. Verse 3 reveals it's about 30,000 who moved at night. But then now in verse 12, you see this 5,000. And, you know, it says that in verse 12, they're on the west side of the city. So you see that there's 5,000 also on the west. In verse 13. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city. So notice what we have here on this battlefield. You have 5,000 west, which is the rear guard of the second element to the, to the, uh, uh, you know, to the, nor- uh, the, the rear guard of the second element, which is to the north. But then also west is the 30,000 that we read from verse 3. The, the 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 night ops guys and so all of a sudden you see here in verse 13 Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley so he gets stationed all elements are in position second element and then you know the 5000 from the second element which had another movement to the west but then also the 30000 which you know they had the night movement this is a very mountainous region. It's not just like a walk in the park. Like, oh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go over there. No, this is a very mountainous region. And, you know, if, if, you've, if you've been in a night movement, some, you know, veteran friends, veteran listeners, if you've been in a night movement, you know, sometimes people can die just in the movement alone, depending on the terrain, depending on where you go, you know, limited visibility. Sometimes people die just in the movement alone. You know, forget the actual combat. Forget the actual, you know, uh, 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 combat scenario. Sometimes just in the movement can be treacherous and people die. But you don't see that here. You see, everything is so beautiful. Everything is so beautiful. Yes, it's a mountainous region, but yet you see the Lord is with the people. In verse 14, now it happened. When the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. Notice the timing here. Notice the timing. So the night operators, they, 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 they're sent. And then the next day, element one, you know, they go out. And then that night, Joshua is in the midst of the valley. And so now we're on the third day. Notice the timing here. Now we're on the third day. And in verse 14, the king of Ai, he sees, he sees that, and when he sees it, he, he, he sent the man, he says that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people. So those were the fighters of Ai. At the appointed place, which translate at the appointed time or season, at the appointed place before the plain. Now, Remember our study in Deuteronomy 9. That there will be victory. And the Lord is giving Israel these lands. But it's not because you're awesome. It's judgment upon the wickedness. You see? Judgment upon the wickedness of Ai. See, they had for 40 years, Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years for a reason, also for a reason. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. They were in, you know, 11 day journey became 40 years for a reason. And the Lord responded. The Lord is reactionary. He responded. And in his chastisement for 40 years, all the surrounding peoples, they still had an opportunity to repent. 
and align themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. Just like we see with uh, 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 Rahab. She aligned herself with the God of Israel, kind of at, you know, kind of late at the last moment, but praise be to the Lord. Judgment came to Jericho, but she was safe and those in her household. And now it's, i.e., a time of judgment. Ample opportunity to align themselves to the Lord, but they didn't. Now when judgment comes to Ai, God's judgment, he's using his vessels, Israel, to bring about judgment. Just like, you know, when we study our, you know, numbers and Deuteronomy, how, yes, the Lord took care of Egypt, but then he says to Israel, okay, you take care of Canaan. You see, the Lord is still doing it. But when the people are using his vessels, the Lord is still doing it using his vessels. But when those very vessels have disalignment with the Lord, it doesn't work. You see? Just like he says, the Lord says to Israel, go into Canaan. And then the people were afraid. See, the formula is not right. There's a little, something's off in the formula. And then the Lord says, okay, Moses, tell the people, don't go to Canaan. Did the Lord change his mind? No. The people changed their heart. You see? Just like we see here with Ai, chapter 7, loss. They lost. Ai was victorious. The king of Ai was victorious against Israel in chapter 7. Why? The formula in the camp of Israel was wrong. See, did the Lord change his mind? No, in no way, shape, or form. There was sin in the camp. There was disalignment. Because if Achan was in the midst in chapter 8, if Achan, defiled Achan, was in the midst in chapter 8, Israel would be playing the hypocrite. You see? It's an Old Testament example of New Testament truths. I mean, new wine only flows from new wineskin. If wineskin is old and attempts to hold new wine, it is so temporal the ability to hold new wine is so temporal because the bible says that the new wine will cause holes to enter in the holes to come into old wineskins it's only new wine that can hold new wineskins or it's only new wineskins that can hold new wine only there's a very specific formula to being new wineskin which is Reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old woman dead. You know, have you ever seen a person, and quite possibly a pastor, and sometimes you see it among ministry leaders, where they speak, speak about the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they speak and utter these things and they say it to their blue in the face. But then you look at their lives. 
and there is absolutely no power. They speak and speak about the power. They speak and speak about the Lord's ability. They speak and speak about healing. They speak and speak about all these different things according to the power of the Spirit, which is in accordance to the Lord. But then you look at their powerless lives. And in a lot of cases, you know, it's not just in a lot of cases. In all cases, they're powerless for a reason. But in a lot of cases, all you have to do is just look at the fruit. The Lord says, just look at the fruit. You hear a pastor, you hear a preacher guy, and he's talking about the power of the Lord and all these things. But then you look at the actual vessel and you're like, wait a second, this guy's on his third marriage. His previous wives haven't died. Wife's crazy. Kids are crazy. You know, daughter's sexually active. The son is doing the occult and all kinds of different things. The pastor does his drugs. He goes gambling. He goes to the strippers. He does all these different things. And he's going to stand at the pulpit and speak about the power of the Lord? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It doesn't work that way. People attempt to make it work that way, but you read the Bible and you see it doesn't work that way. Remember, chapter 7, last week in our study, Israel took casualties last week. For a reason. You see? And Achan, he's not in the camp right now. He's not in this campaign. He's dead. But he's dead for a reason. And there was opportunity for him to be right before the Lord in accordance to the law. But he didn't do it. And so now he's dead. And now that he's dead, now look at the camp of Israel in this campaign. Still with Ai. Except instead of defeat, it's victory. You see? And so the king of Ai, he sends out his fighters at the appointed place before the plain. And in verse 14, but he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. Remember, the king's mentality here. <clears throat> the king's mentality here is, you know, we, we beat them. We beat them before. We'll do it again. Confidence in self. Confidence in self. You see, confidence can be a bad thing, but confidence can be a beautiful thing. Confidence is bad when it's in self. But confidence is good when it's in the Lord. You see? And it's even better, more beautiful, when confidence is in the Lord and the formula in you is right before the Lord. That's like, now we're talking victory. And not just little victory. We're talking victory after victory after victory after victory. When you have confidence in the Lord and the formula is right in you. We're talking victory. But you know what? 
Satan will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. He will fight tooth and nail to prevent love feast from happening in a church. He will fight to, I mean, do you remember our study in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit? Picture in a church saints who have all the gifts of the Spirit. And not, not one saint with all the gifts. Which, you know, that's, I mean, Paul, you, you, you read the book of Acts and you see like, you know, there are, uh, Paul has multiple gifts, you know. He speaks in tongues, but he doesn't speak in tongues. I mean, he chooses, like, you know, he has the gift of tongues, but he chooses not to speak in tongues. You see? Very specific formula. But picture in a church. Say a church of 20 people. And each one of those 20 has gifts of the Spirit. Say there's 30 people in the church. And each one of those people have the gifts of the Spirit in accordance to the Word of God. You see how powerful that church will be? Confidence in the Lord. Alignment to the Lord, the formula and the recipe is right in each one of those vessels. Do you know how much victory there will be in that body of saints, in the eklegomai, um, in the episunagage? Do you know how much victory there will be in that fellowship? You know how sweet and beautiful the love feast will be in that body of believers? And Satan will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. Because he knows. I mean, you read the book of Acts and you see the church. It's like, wow, this is, this is, you read the book of Acts. You're like, wow, this is a church that's unlike any other church you, you see today. Why? Because look, Satan, he, he doesn't want the church to look like the church in the book of Acts. And he's, very effective. Just like Ai was very effective against Israel. But now when the formula is right, it's a different ballgame. Ai had victory over Israel last week. But now it's a different ballgame. You see? In verse 15, And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. Remember, this is part of the tacticality given to Joshua by the Lord. In verse 16, very specific blueprints that the Lord gives to Joshua. And Joshua, in obedience, he's following these blueprints in the theater of war, rules of engagement. You see? Now, I didn't mention this before, but I'll mention this now. In the pre previous example we gave, you know, a church with 30 people, each of them with gifts, some of them with multiple gifts. And because we don't see that, by and large, it's out there, it's very rare. But because we don't see that in the church today, by and large, people come up with excuses. And they say, well, you know, God doesn't do that anymore. That was for 2,000 years ago. That's not for today. But they make up these unbiblical excuses to make an excuse for their powerless lives. You see? That's what happens. 
They make up these, I say unbiblical excuses, but it's unbiblical in the ways of righteousness. But it is biblical in the way of judgment. It is biblical in the way of wickedness. You see? They make up these excuses. Oh, that was for the book of Acts. The Lord doesn't do that anymore. Where do you, where do you see the expiration date on the gifts and the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit? I'll give you the answer. You don't see it. It's not in the Bible. You don't see the expiration date on the moving and the gifts and how the Spirit works and the, His power. You do not see that. You see? But it can be found among those who have no power or those who have extinguished the Spirit. What the Bible says, don't extinguish the Spirit. You see? Lamps going out. Why? They run out of oil or they have no oil. You see? And so we get into verse 16. So all the people who were in IE were called together to pursue them and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. So remember, so they're Israel, they're like fleeing and you know, like they're, they're as if they were beaten. And so they're fleeing and they're drawing away IE. You see, the Lord gave the tactic, the Lord gave the battle plan. He gave the blueprints, the rules of engagement. He, the battle strategy is in accordance to the Lord. Joshua's following. In verse 17, there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. Very interesting. So is it only Ai? No. Bethel joined Ai against Israel. Wow. Now, should this be a shock? Should this be a surprise? Remember, the Lord the sovereign Lord has the ultimate intel. Israel is in a state of readiness. Remember, Joshua says, you know, you, you, you have the rear guard. And he told the, 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 uh, the night ops guys, the night crawlers, he says, you know, uh, go and be ready. Nighttime's the right time. You guys go and you be ready. Because to the West, we have the two groups, the 5,000 and the 30,000. You might say, well, Joshua, he's such a, a brilliant strategist. Oh, Joshua, he's developing these plans and Joshua is so awesome. And wow, look at these, these, this strategy and wow, there's in this strategic movement, look at the tacticality level and wow, look, and they're victorious and all these things. Wow, what a, what a, what a leader. What a, what a battle strategy. And wow, this is so awesome. But if you were to ask Joshua, he's under orders. All he's doing is obeying the Lord. And in his intimacy with the Lord, the Lord told him, Joshua, this is what you do. It's not Joshua goes on a recon team and says, okay, recon, okay, you know, kind of develops a strategy using his intellect and his logic. No, the Lord told him. You see, intimacy with the Lord, oneness with the Lord. And it's not just Joshua here. Do you remember back in our studies way back in Exodus when Israel was defiled? Who wasn't? Moses and Joshua. He made his choice long ago. He chose right. He chose wisely. 
You see, leadership matters. And so now you have that in verse 17, there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city wide open. It says, so they left the city open, but in the Hebrew, it translates as wide open and pursued Israel. Remember their mindset, the king of Ai, their mindset is, you know, we beat them before, we're going to do it again. It's a different ballgame. That was last week. That was then, this is now. And when I say that was last week, it was last week in our study, but very literally, very literally, it was last week when you count the number of days. When the, you know, the, uh, 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 the, the uh, Israel, when they came, they joined back to Joshua and Joshua seeks the Lord. Why, Lord, are we suffering this defeat? And the Lord says, you know, Joshua, why, why are you on your face? He said, there's sin in the camp. And that was revealed. And what happened with Achan, the, you know, the next day these happen. And now, you know, the, 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 the Lord gives the blueprints. Now Achan's taken care of. The Lord gives the blueprints. It's, the span is about a week. So I say last week, you know, regarding our study in chapter seven, but very literally, very literally last week as well. I mean, actual number of days, weeks, N- number of days when I say week. Different ballgame. This is Israel without Achan. And so verse 18, then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ahi. I love that. Joshua, you see, Joshua's not in the rear with the gear. No, he's on the battlefield, armed. He's got a spear, and the Lord is giving him instructions on the battlefield. Stretch out the spear that is in your hands toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. You see, obedience to the Lord. He's under orders. He's under orders. And in his intimacy, the Lord is telling him. You see? And to stretch out his hand toward the city, stretch out the spear that was in his hand toward the city is like a signal. So in verse 19, so those in ambush or those who were lying in wait, they arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand. So you see, Everyone, the the, 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 the advanced party, the 5,000, the 30,000, everyone's on alert. Eyes out. They see the signal. You know, Roger that. We're moving. The signal is made. They see the signal. Okay, we're moving. Engage. Execute. And they entered the city and took it. And hurried to set the city on fire. Verse 20. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. It's like the life got sucked right out of them. All the men of Ai, all the men of Bethel who joined them, they're coming against Israel and they figure, wow, we beat them before. We're going to do it again. And, you know, we're going to take them. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody looks back and they say, hey, look, they look back and it's like all their hometown is just on fire. It's set ablaze and it just sapped the energy from them. Now, of Israel, we see here in verse 20, and the people who had fled to the wilderness 
turned back on the pursuers. So the men of Ai lost their power. Like they, the, the, the life got sucked out of them as they see their homes on fire. And then all of a sudden, Israel, they slow down. They turn around. And then look what happens in verse 21. Now, when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back or returned to the starting point is how it translates in Hebrew. So now they turned around and struck down the men of Ai. Verse 23. Then the others came out of the city against them. So those who are on the west, they set Ai ablaze, and now they converge on the battlefield. I mean, do you see, from a strategically a strategic standpoint, you see what's happening here? How the Lord gave these instructions, very specific instructions for the battlefield. And the strategy was to draw away the fighters of Ai. The, the, these fighters of Ai, they go and they follow after Israel, not, 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 not just full Israel, because remember there's 30,000 and then there's the 5,000. And then once that happened, now the city is set on fire. And then those people who set the city on fire, now Ai, Bethel, their warriors, they're sandwiched in the middle. You see? Verse 22, then the others came out of the city against them. Of Ai, he says, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some, of, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that, so that they let none of them remain or escape. You see? We see this war floating and combat readiness has a very specific formula for victory but there's also a formula for defeat there is a formula for defeat Achan had it Achan had the formula for defeat and it wasn't just for Achan alone because Israel took casualties last week chapter 7 Israel took casualties And now that Achan's gone, now Israel has victory because the formula is right. Observe Israel according to the flesh. When the formula is right, victory. But what about the church according to the spirit? When the formula is right, also victory. But there's a formula for defeat as well. And the formula for defeat, that's what Satan tinkers with. Satan knows the formula for righteousness, the formula for holiness. Remember, it just so happens that we're in the pastoral epistles on our Sunday studies. Doctrine, sound doctrine. When doctrine isn't sound, look at what enters the church. Look at what enters the camp. When doctrine isn't sound, people might sound all flowery. People might sound like, oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. But when doctrine isn't sound, you know, oh, come on, guys. Let's go lay on the graves. Let's go grave soaking, everybody. 
oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He went to seminary. He, he says, let's go grave soaking. So let's go grave soaking. But when the formula is right in a person, a person could say, hey, pastor, that's not right. A pastor says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. When the formula is right in a person, a person can say, hey, pastor, that's wrong. The Bible says don't do that. But because of biblical illiteracy, no Bereans, pastors get away with murder. Literally, they get away with murder. They get away with it. In this life, in the life to come, they're not going to get away with it. I mean, outside of repentance, you know, they're going to burn in hell. Outside of repentance. Don't follow them. You know, anybody can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Anybody can say it. Anybody can speak it. But if you follow, you have to be very selective, understanding formula. Very, very selective. Because a guy stands up and says, follow me as I follow Christ. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. To follow him like a fire. You see? And if you're wondering, like, what is he talking about? Listen to our study. It's called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. You'll understand more. Because you have pastors today who say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. It's hardcore. This is spiritual warfare. Just like we see here, this is warfare according to the flesh. What about warfare according to the spirit? I mean... Have you ever seen Christians? I mean, I asked the question, have you ever seen Christians? But I mean, they're out there, man. We, 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 we know them. Where They believe in the Lord, which is a good thing. But they have no victory. They're not living in victory. They believe in Jesus. They speak Christianese. But it's like you look and it's, Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? They have no victory. It's like, wow, you know, here you have this this couple, and it's like, wow, there's no joy of the Lord. You know, the guy is miserable, the lady's miserable. You look at the kids, the kids are miserable, and it's like, wow, they're Christians. They go to the, you know, they, they go to church and they, they 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 read their Bible, and it's like, wow, you know, man, they're Christians. Shouldn't they be living victoriously in Christ? But you don't see that. You see just the opposite. You see defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. And then they'll go so far as to say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm being persecuted. Or, or, or no, I'm under attack. I'm under spiritual attack. Can you pray for me, brother? Can you pray for me, sister? I'm under spiritual attack. Satan is against me. And you see it. And it's true that Satan is against the children of the Lord. Satan is against Christians. It is absolutely true. But it is also true that there is victory in Christ. And that's not just a blanket statement. Oh, like, okay, there's victory in Christ. It's not a blanket statement. Now, since there's victory in Christ... 
we better understand Christ. You see? The real Christ, whose word is above his name, the real Jesus, so that you and me together, we can abide in him. And when that formula is right, we're talking victory after victory after victory. We're talking love feast. We're talking a church with, say, 20 people, 10 people, 5 people, where there's the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm talking like Book of Acts. You see, not a mockery where, you know, there's 50 people in the church, 100 people in the church, and 100 people are speaking in tongues. No, there's order. I'm talking about the real deal gifts of the Spirit, not a mockery. Where the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, you know, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of interpretation, the gift of tongues. All these different things among the love feast. And Satan is terrified from that happening because he loses ground. And so what does he do? He seduces. He seduces and he uses his... They present themselves as ministers of righteousness. He uses them. His servants, they serve Satan. They present themselves as ministers of righteousness. Oh, God is love. God is love. Don't talk about, you know, they're having their sex and they're doing their drugs. They're doing their alcohol. Don't make them feel bad about that. It's like, well, wait a second. How can a person be in Christ and feel good about that? You see? And yet you have these servants of Satan. Oh, yeah, you know, they can have their sex and they can do their drugs. They can do their alcohol. They can do their extortion. They can do all this because God is love. And, you know, let's just love on them and let God take care of the rest. And after church, we're going to go grave soaking. And, you know, we're going to read this study Bible. And the guy says, go ahead and take your mark to the beast. You'll still be saved. And, you know, once saved, always saved. You know, it's it sounds so flowery. But it's satanic seduction. And people buy it, hook, line, and sinker. And Satan wants to prevent, in a fellowship, love feast. Because he knows that the Spirit will give gifts that will work against Satan. Satan knows that. And so he tries to muddy the waters. Money the waters through seduction. He'll dangle all kinds of things in front of people. He'll dangle the sex. He'll dangle the drugs. He'll dangle money. He'll dangle riches. He'll dangle all kinds of things just to get Christians get their focus away from truth. And okay, yeah, go ahead. You want, you know, why don't you pray to the Lord and you know pray that you'll win the lottery and pray that you'll go to the casino. And before you go to the casino, pray that you'll have big money, that you'll win big, and all these things. You can even fast, fast for a couple days, and pray that you're going to win big money. And look, take your eyes off the Word of God. Don't go to church. Go to the casino, and Christians do it. You see, and Satan dangles dangles that. Satan's a fisherman too, don't forget. But look at this, this war footing of Israel 
according to the flesh. And the, the very similar formula, not in the law, but similar formula in obedience to what the Lord says, understanding covenants, old covenant, new covenant. You see? And so we see in verse 23, but the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. So you see the king's defeat here. Now, this is the king of Ai who prevailed against Israel earlier in the week. You see the similarities to the Antichrist who will prevail against the saints during another week. Verse 24, and it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying or an end of killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them. And when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were all consumed or ceased completely, that all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. You see? Verse 25, so so it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. You see, Israel had victory. Now remember Deuteronomy 9. I can't stress this enough. Is it because Israel's awesome? Remember the Lord says, it's because, it's not because you're awesome. He says it's because of the wickedness of the people. Remember our study in Deuteronomy 9. Ai had a choice to make. Just like Jericho had a choice to make. The time to decide isn't forever. For 40 years, they could have aligned themselves to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. They could have. Egypt could have. Canaan could have. The Jebusites, the Hittites, the Moabites, the Jebusites. Jericho, Ai. They could have. I mean, the, 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 the masses, the, the populace of those cities, of those peoples. Some did. Very few did. The time to decide isn't forever. Sometimes I talk to non-believers and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of undecided. Well, to be undecided is to be decided. Let today be the day of salvation. If you're listening and you're not a believer, cut it out. Look at what's happening around us. Look at the world around us. It's crazy town. Well, it's crazy town for a reason. It is prophesied to be crazy town, strong delusion, which is a result of having no love of truth. Listen to our study through Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You'll understand more. Prophecies are being fulfilled. If you're not a believer, hit pause, listen to our message, how to commit your life to Christ, and you do precisely that. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. Be unbelieving no more. And then you come back and you listen and we continue our study. And we grow together 
We journey together. We move on together. And judgment is has come to Ai. They didn't make their choice. Or they did, but they chose wrong. You see? I have to say something to veterans. Now, I teach from America, and I say this as a veteran, but this applies anywhere. I don't care if you're Brazilian, if you're, you know, whatever, Colombian. I don't care if you're Swahili. I don't care whatever it is. I mean, I care, but I don't care for, for, for this. I care about you, but I don't care about, you know, what whatever land you're in. And I say this to veterans. When you kill, a piece of you dies when you kill. When you squeeze a trigger and watch a body fall, when you plunge a blade and you see up close and personal life ceasing, a piece of you dies. Some veterans today, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because a piece of you has died. You are not whole. Veterans who struggle with PTSD. Traumatic experiences on the battlefield. And you have to go day by day, day by day. You wake up in the morning wishing you were dead. And then you go those hours awake, longing to die. Drink your life away. Pop your pills because of the pain, which is very real. The VA cannot heal you. Drugs, alcohol, cannot heal you. I mean, you look at like the, the 60s when they abolished shock therapy. You know, in the 60s, which was torture. You know, sometimes, you know, the veterans of the, the previous veterans, they had, you know, PTSD, you know, PTSD is kind of a new concept in, you know, modern history. But they had PTSD, but, you know, they, they'd go to the uh, VA or they'd go to their therapist, they'd go to their doctor and they would prescribe shock therapy. Which, you know, that, that was like torture. So it's like, okay, you know, I'm just going to deal with the PTSD because I don't want to be tortured. But in the 60s, they started to abolish certain... I'm not advocating shock therapy. But what they did is they started prescribing medication. Shock therapy, it's too violent. It's too violent. It creates more problems. So, you know, we're going to prescribe these medications. And now the medications present even more problems, in some cases even worse problems, because you know, pill after pill after pill after pill, then you have veterans who have very, very, very serious problems. Immobilized because of what they experienced in the theater of war. Traumatic experiences. You hate living. 
drugs, alcohol, can't heal. doctors, they can't heal you. Doctors, they'll just give you drug after drug after drug after drug. You're going to be a zombie. I mean, you might be listening. If you're a veteran, you might be listening and you are a zombie. And you know it. You're just a shell of your former self. You know that you're a zombie. You don't like it. But let's just call it like we see it. Let's be honest. Let's just be straight up. Medications, drugs, it's, it's a band-aid. It's a band-aid on a big gaping hole in your heart, in your mind. It's just a band-aid. But let me tell you something. The Lord can heal you. And the Lord does heal. There is a very, very specific formula. It's holy. In the Old Testament law, there are statutes in place when there's exposure to blood that the priests are activated. That these warriors can go back home, go back to their tents in the camp of Israel. And because of exposure to blood that the priests are activated, okay, guys, let's get you cleaned up. The priests are activated. Ministry unto the warriors who've been exposed to blood on the battlefield. Come on, guys, let's get you cleaned up. And I'm not talking cleaned up like let's take a washcloth and wipe your face. I'm talking cleaned up in the heart, in the mind. Because you were asked to do violent things on the battlefield and you served valiantly on the battlefield. Except there's no priesthood to get you cleaned up again. There's no pastors to get you cleaned up again. And if that's you, You're popping pill after pill after pill, drinking bottle after bottle after bottle. And you know you're a wreck. Let's be honest. Let's just be straight up. You know you're a wreck. But I say to you today, walk with me, my friend. Walk with me. And we'll get you cleaned up along the way. You listen to our studies through 1 Corinthians, all the way to 2 Thessalonians. Learn about the Lord. Learn about trusting in the Lord. Learn about growing in the Lord. Learning, learn about maturing in the Lord. And you will get cleaned up along the way. We'll get you cleaned up. The Lord is able. The Lord heals. And I say these things to you from experience. You see, it's not a temporary healing. It's permanent. It's permanent as long as you abide in Christ. (laughs) Sometimes veterans don't know where to go. They know where to go, but they don't want to go. You see, 
And if that's you, I tell you as a veteran, walk with me. Through the Bible, let us journey together. And let's get you cleaned up. It's how the Lord works. He still heals. He still performs miracles. You know, it is a wicked and cruel generation that seeks after signs, that seeks after miracles. But that's to believe. Oh, I'm not going to believe on you, Lord, unless you show me a sign. Well, that's wickedness. But once you believe, he still heals. You say, that would be a miracle. If, if, if the Lord heals me, that would be a miracle. Well, believe on the Lord. He still heals. He still touches. Touches hearts, touches minds. But you have to understand formula. You turn on TV, Tricking Believers Nightly, TBN, and you watch what you see on the TV, that ain't going to heal you. They'll say it. They can say it to their blue in the face. But you have to look at the fruit. These are things that you'll understand more as we grow and mature together and we move on to perfection on our way to paradise. The Lord heals. He is able and all things are possible in Christ. You see? We look at this war footing in the camp of Israel. You see, you know, like in verse 24, Israel made an end of slaying. They were killing. This is, they, they had victory and they were killing. They were fighting and they were in a war footing. It's according to the flesh. According to the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. Rules of engagement within the confines of the old covenant. New covenant, it's a different ballgame. We still fight. It's according to the Spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You see? And a lot of veterans, which might be you, you have the scars of war and you served valiantly. Doing a dirty business. Exposure to extreme violence. You go to the VA, they give you the pills. The VA starts to limit their benefits, you go to the street corner. Things get too pricey, you lose your job, you go to the bottle. You lose all that, you go to the street. But there's a better way, my friend. There's a better way. Walk with me. These warriors, there's provisions in the law for these warriors to get cleaned up again. You see, exposure to blood. They come back home, these warrior, valiant men. And the priesthood is activated. Okay, guys, let's get you cleaned up. 
Let's get you cleaned up. Where are the pastors today? Not the powerless ones. There's a there's an abundance of powerless ones. I'm talking about the real deal. Full package. Just like our study in, in our, the pastoral epistles in the Timothys. The full package. I'm talking about these guys. Shepherds of the Most High. Let's get you cleaned up. You see? So now we have judgment on Israel or, or on, on Ai through the vessels of the Lord. These warriors of the camp of Israel. When we get into verse 26. For Joshua did not draw back his hand. He did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves or as plunder according to the word of the Lord, of, of the Lord which he had commanded Joshua. Now, this is plunder not for the sake of plunder and riches, but it's plunder for a future temple. Just like there was the plunder of Egypt that was used for the tabernacle. And so we see in verse 28, So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun went down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raise over it a heap of stones that remains to this day. You see, this is very sobering for Ai. Very sobering. But for 40 years, they made a choice, a cognizant choice to not fear the God of Israel. Remember, he made himself known. The Lord made himself known. I mean, do you, Egypt, they were considered Almighty, Pharaoh Almighty, God on earth. And the God of Israel reduced them to nothing. The Lord showed himself as Almighty. Now, what should have happened is all the surrounding people, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, you know, they bowed down to Pharaoh. Okay, Pharaoh, you're God on earth. We're not going to mess with you. They did that to Pharaoh. And the God of Israel who reduced Pharaoh to nothing. The surrounding people, the Jebusites, Ai, Jericho. Just like they did with Pharaoh, they should have done to the Lord. Okay, we're not going to mess with the God of Israel. He is almighty. But they didn't do that. You see? And now it's a time of judgment. You see? It's a time of judgment. At the appointed season. It's not because Israel's awesome. No, it's because of their wickedness. This door of grace and mercy that is open today, it's not going to be open forever. It's closing. It's it's less less open than it was two thousand years ago, give or take a couple years. Let today be the day of salvation. And if you're listening and you still haven't 
committed your life to Christ, do it now. Do it now. And if you're a veteran, I mean, if you're a veteran, if you're male, female, young, old, you know, veteran, non-veteran, do it. But I had a little sprinkle for my veteran friends. Do it. Commit your life to Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And there is healing only in him. It's not temporary. It's not a little band-aid. There is full and complete healing in Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. And he is able. Look what happens here in verse 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel on Mount Ebal. In verse 31, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whose, of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. I, this is, I, I love this so much. Because you might think like, okay, you know, I want it to be so beautiful for the Lord with all the accoutrements of what is deemed to be good. So, you know, we're going to cut these stones and make it look nice, make it look pretty and all these different things. And I want it to be beautiful for the Lord. You know what's beautiful in the Lord's eyes? Untouched by man. Everything man touches turns turns to ruin eventually. But when God touches, there's restoration, there is healing, there is newness. And the Lord said, the Lord told Moses, remember our study in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, Numbers, just stones. Don't cut it, don't try to make it look nice. Because that would say that there's man's hands involved. And when the Lord touches, that's that's the hand of the Lord. You see? And this altar that is built in verse 31, and they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed sacrifice peace offerings and there in the presence of the children of israel he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of moses which he had written you say wait a second but i thought you said what man touches isn't good before the lord under you know it's like well, well joshua is touching so is that not a good thing is it a bad thing you know what's the deal well let me ask you a question same question as before Regarding Joshua, who is he with? And who's with him? And then on top of that, what is written? You see, leadership matters. Formula matters. Sound doctrine matters. Verse 33, then all Israel with their elders and officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. 
the stranger as well as well as he who was born among them you see gentiles who were who feared the lord and joined in the camp of israel because you see not a hundred percent of the canaanites aligned themselves to the god of israel not a hundred percent of the jebusites or not a hundred percent of the of the of the canaanites and jebusites and hittites and jericho not a hundred percent stayed in that state there are some there are few who says you know what i know we have our molex i know we have our asterisks i know we have our bales but them they're nothing compared to the god of israel he is almighty and you know what they did they jumped ship they said okay we're out of canaan we're done jericho Look at Rahab. She feared the Lord. Not 100% of these populations rejected the Lord. A large portion did, but not all. You see? And here you have, in verse 33, then all Israel. All Israel. With the elders, the officers, and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well, who was born among them, as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. You see, blessings upon Israel. With Achan, no victory. With Achan, no blessing. Because of the choice of one man. You see? One man. His choice. Now there's no Achan. Now look. Now the blessings flow. Because of formula. In verse 34, and afterward... Afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. You see, they just had victory. There was just victory in Ai. And now post-victory, what do they do? Worship. Holiness unto the Lord. Worship. I mean, some of you veterans listening and, you know, you remember back, you reflect back on past victories and, you know, there was no worship of the Lord. But that was then. This is now. Worship the Lord. He loves you. He loves you. And He can heal you. Whatever state of brokenness, whatever state of PTSD, whatever experience, Whatever trauma, whatever extreme violence. And he can heal you. Worship unto the Lord. I mean, just 
I mean, you look at the battle strategy, you look at the victory, and it's like, wow, you know, Joshua, wow, he's such a strategist, wow, he's such a tactician. It's like, and you read, he's just obedient to the Lord. That's it. I mean, I say that's it, but look at his intimacy with the Lord, his oneness with the Lord. And not just here in chapter 8, but from way back when he was younger, way back in Exodus, when all the camp of Israel was defiled, he wasn't. See? It's so beautiful. And just to see under his leadership with the elders, things are beautiful in the camp of Israel. They just had victory. Aiken's been taken care of. Now they can have victory. And now the blessings flow. And what do we see? Worship unto the Lord. Verse 35 in closing, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. You see, every jot, every tittle, the good, the bad, the ugly, the word goes forth. After that, balls in your court. You see, the people choose for themselves. The entire camp. Joshua didn't, there was not a word of all in verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. This is all Israel, Jew and Gentile, all Israel to the non-Jews. Non-Jewish listeners, the branch does not support the root. It's the root that supports the branches. The beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.